Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and today's episode is going to be about turkey hunting. We have been hard at it, finally. We didn't get to an early start to the season, but we've been blessed with a few days to get out. We put some miles under our boots and uh, ended up with some sore knees and lots of stories to tell, and we're going to tell some of those stories today, and uh, hopefully y'all have been out if not turkey hunting, at least enjoying some spring weather. But before we get into all the details, it's time to give thanks. I am so thankful for friends. One being that we know a gentleman, he just has such a man, a, a caring, kind heart that allowed us the opportunity to be at his place. And what I'm what I'm saying is, is that friends that don't have any kind of um like purpose or reason to let you borrow or to yeah. have no or to skin use. in the game. There's no skin in the game. It's yeah. just you know what I've got. I've got this, whatever this is, and they allow you to use it um, and expect nothing in return. Right. That's yeah. that's what I'm so thankful for. Is that you know I've I know people in the past that probably had a reason why they let me borrow whatever it is, but to have just the opportunity. Um, to borrow, use, and share other people's stuff is, is amazing. And I, I don't know how to explain it better than that. But. Well, I, we can look around us and see Jesus in other people and, and other things and actions and, and something like that. That's a That generosity and graciousness is is a picture of, of Jesus. And so we, right. we definitely appreciate that. We've had some a rough stretch of years of losing access to to private ground that was really great for turkey hunting and been forced to go public. And and some of our public properties around here that we know well to go turkey hunt are very difficult. There's not a lot of birds and the terrain is really tough. So we were really excited about the opportunity to go hunt where we've been hunting. On top of that, it is actually um, growing up junior high, early teen years for me, I knew the people who own that land. And so I have a bunch of memories of riding horses and four-wheelers and playing paintball in the woods. So it was cool for me to go reminisce some of these areas and see it. And it was funny um, in my mind how I remembered it all as a child and then how it is to me now as as an adult. It, it It was interesting. But, you know, Ben, I am thankful for you. We didn't talk about what we were giving thanks for before we started, but, um, you know, when we hunt, when we fish, uh, I, I get pretty serious. I can get pretty intense about things that I'm passionate about. And when I do that, uh, I tend to speak in ways that aren't that nice. And a lot of people just kind of will shut down or just not go with me because of that. But it doesn't bother you. Like, I'll say something I'm like, man, why did I say that? It doesn't bother you. It doesn't change your mood. You just just move on with grace uh, and continue to love me and have a great time with me no matter what. So I'm just thankful for uh, the Christ-like grace that, that you show me. Well, you know, I appreciate that. That does mean a lot. And um, I know that when you're in your mode and we're like hunting and fishing, you're not really saying it with malicious intent. You know, I'm, I just know that about you and, and that's okay. You know, I know that I probably have said some things. I'm around other people that say things and I may have said some things to them. And at the end of the day, relationships aren't built on just 
one or two words. It's built on a, a, a lifelong journey. And so I'm glad I get to do that with you. I'm glad we're still here. I'm glad we're still podcasting. I'm glad and thankful this is 101. 101st episode. We are, this is the first episode of the next 100. Baby. It is. It is. Here we go. 200s. Yeah. Head well, her away. Well, let, let's dive into talking about these hunts. I mean, we were super excited. Life is super busy for us right now with yes. young kids and extracurriculars. You, my kids are in swim. Your kids are in baseball right now. And so just trying to keep up with the family stuff, run a business, go. We've had programs lately. Um, it's It's been busy. And so finally getting a place to go hunt. Weather's been kind of crazy too with rain and wind. Mm-hmm. We were excited to finally get out. The first day that we went out, uh, we didn't get out till late. We had to. We both had to get our kids to school, so it was like after school drop off. So two hours into the sun being up before we ever even got out there, and it was quiet. Mm-hmm. There was no gobbles anywhere, which it is late in the season. There was no goblin at all. We didn't. I kind of had some faint memories of the property. We had a uh, an onyx. Uh, picture of the property so we knew where the boundaries were so we were making sure we weren't trespassing but we weren't really familiar with where the birds were if there were any birds left on the property so we really just kind of took off and took it as a a scouting adventure and uh, really quickly really our first stop to even stop and scan and look around we saw a turkey yeah and you know what brian before we get before we get into this though we've got a lot of listeners we have listeners that are are turkey hunting experts we have listeners that have never even been turkey hunting you know, know and nothing so, about it right and know nothing about it and so for those of you that that do turkey hunt a lot bear with us for just a moment i do want brian just share just for a moment for those that that haven't been turkey hunting don't know about turkey hunting what is a gobble you know like what what are we looking for can we kill any bird what is our goal here what is turkey hunting just real fast short and sweet spring turkey season it is the turkey's breeding season the male turkeys, toms, gobblers, whatever you want to call them, they gobble, and they are gobbling really to say, hey, I'm him. Come I'm him. Yeah. I want you. Yep. I'm him. And they they want hens to call back so they know where they're at so they can go after the hens. Like They want to be the biggest, baddest, longest, loudest gobble of them all, and they get louder and longer as they get older, and you can kind of learn as you start to hear all different age ranges of birds how old they are and start guessing how big they probably are and how difficult they are going to be to call in based on uh their gobble that's that's on the old on the young side they're called jakes yep and it is kind of a an immature gobble that's yeah, so be your first year males yep. that were born last year and and you can hear their gobble is is short it's usually cut off incomplete um and doesn't have that the tone is different it's right. not that deep right. throaty tone um so we're really listening for those that Spring is awesome because they give themselves away. They give themselves away. You By know location. Where they, yeah. You, you know where they're at because you can hear them. They give themselves away so you, you know where they're at because you can hear them. That sounds really easy, like, oh, you just go up and kill them. But especially here in the Ozark Mountains, you don't exactly know where they're at. It's more like a direction. And how many times are you standing turkey hunting with somebody and you hear a gobble and you both point opposite directions? <laughs> you know, where their head is pointed and when they let when they let out that call – you think you know where it's at, but if they turn their head just opposite, it sounds like a completely, kind of like a ventriloquist. Yeah. 
They can throw their voice. It's crazy. Or they'll gobble once, and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're right there at the bottom of the hill. And then all of a sudden they yeah. gobble again, and you're like, no, that's two miles away. Yeah. Then you have the debate, well, is that two birds or one bird? <laughs> and it's just crazy mind games that your ears play with you. But when you don't hear that in the spring, then it really just becomes, okay, where are these turkeys today? It's a windy day. Are they out in the fields? It's it's rainy. Are they in the timber? Like, where do we think they are today? Right. Are they all hinned up? Do we need to go set up a decoy and just try to call in some hens? Yeah, so the female turkey's a hen, and hens at some point are going to go to nest. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, they're going to be hanging kind of as a group. And so at daylight, you have turkeys. They roost in the trees early in the morning before they come down out of the roost. Your goal is to really find them, hopefully, before they come mm-hmm. down. If not, once they come down to the ground, they're trying to reunite, kindle that love again. And yeah. our goal as a hunter is to find the male. You're not allowed to harvest the female. Yep. Well, and because we were later in the morning on this first day, we didn't hear any gobbles. You can try to do things, use a crow call or an owl call or maybe a, a, a loud hen call. All to... right, all right, all right. I need you give us a hoot. We need to hear what an old hoot's going to sound like. Because Brian, he is pretty good, okay? And I say pretty good I'm because— i say average at best. There's definitely guys that are better. We have been— uh, We've been scrolling through TikTok, and there's some guys on there that I'm like, gosh, I wish I could do that. Like It makes you go, was that real or is that fake? Right, it's good. But Brian's really good at it. Matter of fact, he's so good that he— He has called turkeys in, or not only turkeys, but owls have Call actually come to in, us. Yeah. So good job. Thanks for doing that, Brian. So we didn't locate anything using alcohol, crow call, nothing. But what you can do on these days when they're quiet, you, again, you can set up, try to call hens to you. A lot of times when they're quiet, what that means is they've already found their hen. They are with hens. They have no need to gobble because they've already they've already scored the treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that you can do is actually try to find high vantage points, areas that you can see far and, and use your binoculars and glass and try to find a... Uh, strutting tom out in a field and strutting is when they are with a hen or they think they're in in pursuit of a hen they think a hen can see them they will actually completely uh, rouse or completely fluff out their feathers fan their tail out and it's like a whole different creature when they do that and they strut around they they make this drumming sound in their chest they drag their wings and they they spit make this spitting sound it's it is just a show that they're putting on it's pretty easy to see them when they do that because it is a big, I mean, they're like tw- twice the size they really are when they're puffed out like this. So you can go glass open fields and open areas and try to see them and then try to move either in the direction that they are moving or do the old coyote and sneak up on them. Mm-hmm. That is that is an option as well. But we were just walking in trying to check some of these fields, get our bearings for what this property laid out and looked like. And uh, you... <laughs> I had kind of tucked down to the tree line. I couldn't see all the way down the fence line. You were behind me, and you said, get down, get down, get mm-hmm. down. Yeah, that's actually, I think, was my first mistake that morning. I got too far into the field instead of sticking close to that tree line or the fence row. You know, I don't know if, if I would have seen them if we'd have kept going. I I was a little too far out in the field, looked up, and there it was pretty much looking at me. I dropped down. <laughs> I'm yelling at you. We dropped down, and it's kind of like, what do you do next? Well, I'll tell you what my first mistake was, not looking down before I laid down, because I laid in a pile <laughs> of thistle and hemlock. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I would say there's a lot of thistle out there. There's yeah. a lot of thistle. I, we, you and I crawled. <laughs> we walked and crawled through quite a bit of it on this experience. But anyway, we busted those birds, so we kind of really just set the rest of that day into just exploring. Sometimes in the afternoon, we can only hunt till 1 o'clock in Missouri. Uh, they'll kick up, start gobbling. So we... we 
really just we made a few sets in open areas and set the decoy out where we thought birds could see from a long way, called sparingly. Um, sometimes birds will come in on those quiet days without ever gobbling. You'll never even know they're there. Um, but we really wanted to cover as much of that property as we could so that mm-hmm. we had an understanding on the days that we came back, maybe where birds were, had we seen some scats, some tracks, what was it going to be like when we came back and how we could be better the next hunt. Yeah. Um, and we ended up, I guess one other time we glassed, we did, we ended up one other time later on in the afternoon, we glassed, um, the same field yep. that we saw the, the first birds in, Correct. we glassed it from the other side. We were all the way on the other side and we saw a hen mm-hmm. again and maybe we saw a tom. I can't, I just know for sure we saw a hen. Right. The tom is like, don't know. But we're talking like 300 yards away, yeah. tall grass. The terrain of this property is, you're you're talking elevation changes of three to three to 400 feet every <laughs> 200 feet of, of... Yeah, you know, and, and when you look at like a, a ridge top or at the top of the hill, a lot of people think it's just this rounded hill, but we're talking about several dips and bumps, rollers on top of the ridge, on top of this hill. So if you stand on one end of the field, you cannot even see all the way across to uh-uh. the other side because of the terrain. So right. you actually have to use that terrain. It can work out to your favor if mm-hmm. you play it right. Well, you can use the terrain and peek over these knobs and knolls and see down into the dips and things where these birds might be. Um, but we we didn't have a whole lot of action. So we took a day off. We had too much... No, we had programming the next day. We had to go teach the next day. Um, and then we planned to go back out uh, uh, one day later to hunt again. This time, we got out there like two hours earlier. It had only been light for about 30 minutes when we got out there. And while we were getting dressed at the truck, we actually started hearing some gobbles. Oh, and that felt good. we were surprised. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good. We couldn't really tell how far away they were. We didn't know if they were off of the property or still on it. So we made a plan um, to walk a different direction and get down into the middle of the property. Because we only had permission to be on this property. Right. No joining properties could we get onto. And that's something... Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that later as as we talk about some of our encounters. I just want to talk about a, a hunting ethical point. Um, remind me to bring that up as we start talking about fence lines. We worked our way into the middle of this property, and by the time we'd got down there, the birds that we had heard from the truck they were really quiet. They they were really pretty quiet. So we decided to go back up on top of the ridge and check where we had seen birds the day before. So we snuck up there, crawled to the top of the hill, hid behind some trees, and really just spent some time glassing and looking around, and we didn't see anything. Called a little bit, didn't hear anything, and then nature called. I had to go use the bathroom, so I ducked off over the hill and uh, did what I needed to take care of. And when I came back, you kind of had this puzzled look on my face, on your face, and I think it was because I had no reaction. Like, mm-hmm. like I was like, okay, I'm done. Let's go. And you were looking at me like something's up. Yeah, like when you came out of the wood line, I was like thinking you were going to come out eagerly like, let's go, let's go, you know. And you were kind of like in slow mode. Yeah. And, and I was like, did you not hear that? <laughs> you know, did you not hear them? And while, yeah, while you were away. Um, I said, did you hear a gobble? And you go, no, I heard seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, they were, I mean, there was, at the time it sounded like two possibly, wasn't sure. I knew for sure one, but kind of sounded like two. And 
Yeah, I mean, it was like I'd heard them seven, eight, maybe even more times than that um, while you were away. And so I was waiting for you to come what back. What was and, so strange was I hadn't heard it. Right, and you were just down. And I the- was more in the direction of where you heard it than mm-hmm. where it wasn't. And it turned out to be the same group of birds that we had heard from the truck that morning. Totally other side of the property, but we made our way over to them really, really slow. We stopped every 100, 200 yards or so and would listen we were really trying to get an idea of, are they on the ridge top on this property? Are they down in the bottom in the holler? Are they up on the ridge on the other side on somebody else's property? Yeah. So sometimes you'll find turkeys in the forest, literally in the trees, feeding along the ground. And then you sometimes will have turkeys that come out into the, we'll call them the farmland, the prairies, where there are no trees. It's just grasses, grass maybe from shin high up to your knees tall. Um but you don't know where they're going to be, and that's right. what's so tricky. It, are they going to be in or out of the wood line, or yeah, where? Where so are they? We climbed up to the top of this ridge, and it it's timber. It, I mean, it's just a solid timber ridge. It's really steep, dropping off down to the other side. I mean, it's a creek down at the bottom, but if you fall down, <laughs> that's the fastest way to get down to the bottom. Yeah. yeah, it's really steep. And as we got to the top we decided we were going to set up right there on that ridge, set the decoy out, back off a little bit, see if we could get an idea if they were in the bottom or on the opposite ridge of us. But as we were doing that, three gobbled like all at once. We knew there was three birds, all sounded like mature toms, but they were far enough away on the other ridge. We decided probably not a good chance of calling them down a ridge and up a ridge. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's rare. Like, it's rare. Yeah. So we decided we better drop off the side of this thing. Well, as we're going down, we get about halfway down. We It's it's like a, we, I call them benches. As you're going down the side of these, they'll be like where it flattens out for 10 feet and then drops off really steep again and then flattens out for 10 feet. Almost like if you were to put in a road, this is where you would put a road in at. But they're really just natural benches in the terrain. We set up on the edge of one of those benches, put our decoy kind of off to our right. And we thought we had a really good setup. We sat down, hit the call, and I mean instant. The first one, the closest one, just thundered, gobbled Mm -hmm. at us. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we sat there quiet. After 15 minutes, I hit the call again. It gobbled, and then it went silent, silent. And I think I looked at you and I said, that means he's coming. He's coming. And we waited about another 10, 15 minutes didn't hear, didn't see anything. Starting to get a little nervous, and I heard, I said, did I just hear a spit? Did I just hear a spit? And the next thing I know, on the bench right below us, which I'm going to say is 30 to 35 yards, Yeah, but yeah. it's so steep, all you can see is that this bird is strutting, full strut. Mm-hmm. You can see the top of his fan, can't really see his head. I can hear him drumming. I can hear him spitting. He is in gun range. It's time. I'm nervous. You're nervous. I'm turned. I'm ready to shoot him. I'm kind of slouching down, trying to use the terrain to hide a little more, hoping he's going to see our decoy and come up. He works down to where I think he can see our decoy, and then all of a sudden, I don't hear strutting anymore. I don't hear drumming. I don't hear spitting. Like, well, what happened? Well, I turn back the opposite direction of the decoy, back the opposite of the direction of where I'm even calling from, and I see his head poke over the hill at like, now we're talking 20 yards. And he looked up that road at that decoy, 
and putted and started taking off in the other direction. And I actually stood up to my feet and he stopped at about 70 yards. Now I have killed with my exact ammo and shotgun that I have, I have killed birds at 60. But this Tom, I mean, as a beast, yeah. he's huge. Yeah. He was mature. It was timber. He stopped out there at 70. I raised my gun on him and I decided not to shoot. I let him go. And he actually flew down to the bottom where yep. the creek was. Yep. As he landed down in the bottom, the other two birds from the direction he just came gobbled. And you and I sat right back down where we were. Yep. And then it was like, well, what do we do now? Well, from my perspective, I mean, I never even got up. Like, so all I could see was barely the top of his fan. Like, mm-hmm. I never saw the head, the bird. Like, I couldn't see what you were seeing. You were on the opposite side of the tree. So we were sitting on, on opposite sides of the tree so that we could... I was sitting just a, like maybe six inches higher than you. Yeah, yeah, and you could just see a little bit more. I didn't actually get to see that bird until it flew off. Mm-hmm. Like, as it was done, <laughs> as it had enough of us, it went, and that's when I got to see um, the bird, which was kind of disheartening, right? Because you have all of this emotion, like so much excitement. So much excitement of this thunderous call back to you. Brian's calling. It's coming. You're excited. You're excited. And then all of a sudden, to know this bird's gone and yeah. it ain't coming back. You don't matter how good of a call you have or you are, you ain't you ain't getting this bird coming back. No. It's, it's done. It's over and you lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you struck it's, out. It's defeating. It, it hurts. Is. It it's, is. It's defeating. Um, yeah. The, it's like this pinnacle of emotion. Well, it's to, so high and so low. Yeah. yeah I mean, so fast. Yes. So high, so low, so yes. fast. But those other birds started gobbling, so we kind of had this hope. And right. then it was like, well, we're analyzing what just happened with this bird. What was our mistake? Yep. And what we needed to do for these two that are, they're coming now. Right. Like, right. Well, what a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that maybe because of where we were on the bench, that by the time his head popped up, it was just right at us. It was too close. Uh, didn't really know. So we're like, well, maybe we need to move up to the other edge of the edge of the bench so that we can see down to the other bench better. Maybe we'll have... So we move up like 10 yards. Leave the decoy where it's at. We sit right back down. Hit the call. Two birds. You could tell it's two toms. They're together. One gobbles, the other one gobbles side by side. You could tell they're together. You could tell they're getting closer. We really call to them two or three more times and within 15 minutes 40 yards here come their red heads they pop right over the ridge the first one pops up looks over at the decoy and where he popped up was like i'm gonna say if i i was aiming that direction frozen still because i thought they were coming Mm -hmm. i maybe needed to move my gun to the left six inches but just what i first saw was just like not quite enough of his head to shoot like just his eye and his beak, but he looked up at that decoy and he didn't like it. He went in the direction of it, but it was like he was going to run past it. And he started running, walking faster. Well, then here comes the other one and the other one starts putting. And a putt is a sound they make. Really, it's their alarm. Like that's when you know they know something's not right. Mm -hmm. And he started putting and they both started kind of running off. Well, as soon as they got 20 yards past the decoy. I called them a little bit, and I mean, they gobbled both of them so hard, and I thought, well, they're not really spooked. They just they just know something's not right. I don't know if it's because the other turkey flew down past them. I have no idea, really. Then we decided they're going up to this ridge. 
lets us go over the ridge and try to cut them off on the other side. Get ahead of them, yeah. Which is like in rubber boots and turkey gear with your heart <laughs> yeah. pounding. By the time you get to their side, you're like, I hope, I hope there's a a defibrillator somewhere that right. you pick me up when I go down. Now, from my side, I only saw one of those two birds. I could only see the first one, and I can only see the one that had the red head. Now, I want to talk about the red head for a moment because when you're talking about turkey, especially the the kind of turkey we have here in the Ozarks, what kind of turkey are we? We have eastern wild so turkeys. So we have the eastern, and, you know, a mature gobbler, the mature male, is going to have some white, some red, and some blue in his head. Now, an immature male is going to have more of a grayish, maybe some of those colors, but more of a grayish head. And the hen is, I'm going to say, all gray. Yeah, bluish hue to it. There kind of go. a gray, yeah. grayish blue, yeah. But the reason I'm describing all this for you is because this full mature gobbler, his head was, I'm talking, bright red. If you took a Coca-Cola can and looked at it, it was that color. Mm. That's all I could see because he was moving away from us that fast. Like it was just a redhead just getting out of there. And I was, the motions were just as high and low again, but even more defeated because. The confusion really started to set in. Yeah. I'm like, what just happened? I I didn't move a muscle this time. Like I know I didn't the first time, but maybe I did. Maybe something was shiny. Maybe they, I'm like, what? This time I froze because I didn't want to lose this guy. Mm -hmm. I did not want, and. I still couldn't figure out what was going on. I had hopes we were going to shoot both of them and double up. And, oh, that's and have, yeah. oh, that was the dream. And they so, came in so hard and so fast that I was like, they they are going to come to this decoy. They're going to dance on top of this thing. Right, they're not yeah. even going to care that we're here, and this is going to be awesome. But So like you said, we pick up and we go because I still wanted to get a double. Yeah. I wanted to double up, and, and we hit it. Now, on this property that we're at, man, we are so thankful because there are roads already pre-established roads on this property. So it, it allowed us the opportunity to, uh, when I say walk quieter, <laughs> you can walk a little more quiet on a road because there's usually not as many leaves, uh, litter, uh, rocks, gravel, any of those things. So we were trying to hit these roads to cut these birds off. And that's what we did. We found the roads. We were able to cut the birds off. Now I say we cut them off. Brian at some point, we're like, we got to stop here. We got to stop. We got to listen. We got to figure out what's going on. And that's when Brian actually heard something. I didn't hear it, but he heard it. Yeah, I heard them. They were doing the putt again. And so we hadn't seen them, but at some point from our sound or they had seen us down through the timber, we we had spooked them again. The crazy thing was they were still gobbling. Yeah, they were. That's <laughs> I, Yeah. They were still gobbling. So it was like, what do we do? So we, we set up on them down, down in the bottom on the complete other side of this ridge, mountain, whatever you want to call it. Steep is all you could, uh, how I can describe it. And we sat and we called for a little bit, and uh, within 15, 20 minutes, we knew that those birds, it was done, it was over. But we were kind of sitting there. We decided to have a snack, refuel. We were sitting there reminiscing, again, analyzing. What would we do right? Oh, my gosh, we just called three mature toms in in, in 20 minutes. What did we do wrong? Why didn't we? to kill any of them. Yeah, I mean, and I'm mad, I'm sad. uh, (laughs) But at the same time, awesome, because we just called three birds in. We just got to see, because the the two days before that when we went. We never even heard one. Yeah, it was awful. So we're like, we were blown away because two days before, zero birds, weren't even sure how many birds were even on property. And now we had already seen three 
Yeah. Within, an, I don't know how many, an hour? Oh, I it mean, ain't even lunchtime yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It happened really fast. Now, you were talking about the how steep the hills were. I want to share that this is how steep they are. You can get a snow sled and put on this hill, and you can sled down it without snow. That's how steep they are. Absolutely. Like, it's, if you get in a sled, it's taking you downhill. Yeah. So, so they are steep. And for a not only for one bird... To come from an opposite ridge down and all the way up this steep thing, down one and all the way up the other where we're at, not only for one bird to do it, but three, that's pretty wild. It is. It was It was pretty wild. They came in, but again, like you said, there still is disheartening. So you and I are going through all kinds of like, well, did they see your phone? Was your phone sticking out or... Do, oh, I got this orange well, letter. So the I got first this orange bird, letter on my glove. Yeah, the first bird, I was trying to record it. Yeah. And, you know, I had my phone down low, and, and I thought, well, maybe. Second bird, the two other birds, no. My phone was actually in my pocket. I was like, that's gone. We ain't we ain't recording. Then we got into, yeah, what else is on us? Is it your blue? <laughs> you had yeah. like a blue hose for your, your uh, yeah, my, hydration? Yeah, my water bladder has mm-hmm. the mouthpiece on us blue. And I was like, no, I tucked it away. Like, we're just going through all this, and then... We got up and I was like, "You go. What about my camo? My pants are faded." And I was like, "Yeah, they're they're pretty white. Like they're looking really light colored." And so then you're like, "Well, maybe it's my camo." And both of us were like, "I wasn't moving. Like face masked up, gloved yeah. up, camoed yeah. head to toe." We really don't know, but what we'll, what we do know is that all three of them saw our decoy. And if you talk to other turkey hunters, there are there's some decoys that. Maybe they look great to us, but they aren't. They just aren't effective. Right. They are not right. effective. Um, I have seen turkeys killed and killed turkeys over faded out foam Walmart right. decoys, yeah. and I have seen birds spook at the most expensive avian X that you can go buy that literally looks like a real turkey to a human. So it's hard to say what looks good and what doesn't look good to them, but. I think I'm going to get a new decoy. <laughs> well, at least let's try, right? Yeah. Let's get one and try it out. But the hunt wasn't over. Hunt's not over. Well, we had we still had like two, two and a half hours. So um, we knew from the day before because we saw those couple hens on the complete other side of the property. We know there's turkeys over there. If there's hens around, there's got to be some toms around. So we headed up on this ridge, and we had seen a road the day before that went down this hill and skirted the edge of the property all the way around. So really you could get, you could sneak the whole edge and get to the other side without spooking birds. Mm -hmm. We went up and glassed and didn't see anything. So we said, you know what? On the map, we see a pond down here on this corner. Let's take this road down to this pond and just kind of explore and see what we can find. We'll call down there, see if we can hear any gobbles. We got down to this pond and I have so much fun just being outdoors, no matter what, just taking in. But when you get to go to a new property in a new place and every turn is new, man, I've creation is unreal. It's absolutely unreal. So it was a beautiful, beautiful place. But as we got there, we're looking at this pond. We're analyzing, oh, man, I think there's fish in here. Oh, there's a bobber in the tree. Yeah, there's fish in this pond. You know, you and I can't go too long without thinking about fishing. <laughs> yeah, fishing's number one, baby. But you could hear like water rushing. Right. Like, well, has it rained a whole lot? It's really dry outside. Is that spring that powerful of spring? I'm thinking waterfall. What the heck waterfall? is going on? Yeah. So we decide to skirt around. It's like pretty heavy cedars, 
but the ground was not covered in leaves, so we were walking really quietly and walking underneath this cedar grove. And as we got to the other side, we could see that off of the property we were on is a, well, I'll call it a, uh, it's a neighborhood. There's what I would call, we'll call it a wealthy neighborhood. People have big houses, lots of land. This person's pond, I mean, they put a big old fountain in the middle of this pond. <laughs> they had enough money to put a fountain in a farm pond. Yeah, and I'm not talking, like a geyser. This thing, this thing was in a pond that was tiny, and it was probably meant for like a five-acre lake or something. I mean, it was yeah. shooting a big old geyser-like fountain. Ten and, feet at least. Yeah, so you could see that. And that's what we were hearing, but it ended up being awesome because as I'm looking up, at this fountain, we're not maybe 60 yards away from it. On the pond dam where this fountain is, there is a tom turkey just strutting right across top of it. Mm-hmm. Full strut, bright white, blue, red head, all the colors, not a feather missing, big old beard just dragging the ground. Beautiful tom strutting back and forth well. Because he was strutting up there, I was like, man, there has to be a hen. Well, no, let's tell it like it is. You said you dropped to the ground. You said, Strutter, Strutter. I so said, I'm dropping move. down. Get down. Get so down. I'm dropping down. I drop down and I sit down completely and I hide behind him. I'm hiding behind Brian. All of a sudden, and I'm, I, I realize <laughs> that we're in like a, it's not a spring, but it's like just wet weather, just wet earth, like soppy, soppy, net. soppy soil. And here I am. I mean, my hind end is completely soaked. You know, we, we invest in, equipment and we have vests on in these vests provide big pouches where you can put decoys in you put in your calls in them you even have seats that you unclip that you can set on to keep from doing this but because brian said strutter get down i'm in such a hurry i don't even flip my seat down and here i am setting in cold water <laughs> well when, when said, i looked up and saw him he was looking our direction in 60 yards is really close to me. Yeah. And, and we yeah. didn't have any cover. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, how did we get this close? Is this fake? Is this their pet turkey? I saw a donkey a second ago. Did I think it was a turkey and this is actually a donkey? Like, sit down where we're at. And we did. We, we sat did. down right where we're at. Right I'm, leaning we're a, I'm leaning against a tree that is like... <laughs> the size of a... It's about like a little smaller than a Coke can. Yeah. If I stood up and leaned on it, the whole thing would go over on the ground. Like, yeah. I'm leaning against this thing trying to get a call out. You're hiding behind me. Mm-hmm. We're not covered up. Um, and then we're kind of like, well, what are we going to do? He's strutting. There has to be a hen somewhere. Can't really see it. Did we bust him? Did he see us? And I mean, we sat there. And we called a little bit to him and he'd look over at us, but not react. So I knew there had to be a hen. So I finally work real easy because he knows where we're at. He's seen it. I work my binoculars out and I'm looking around and I can see the hen. She's just picking around up there. So I decided I wanted to try to call the hen in. Mm-hmm. And so I get kind of aggressive trying to challenge this hen. And she's kind of, she has come up to the fence line. Keep in mind, the pond dam where this Tom is strutting is four or five yards from the fence line. Like he just needs to come six yards. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, it's going to be over. It's, like it's going to be done. Yeah. I mean, you could have harvested him from where we were at. Like yes. you could have. But, we didn't because he was on the other side. He was on the other property. He was not on our property. Right. So I was like, well, we got to bring this hen in to bring him to us. Well, while I'm getting aggressive calling at her, 
up on top of the ridge, this bird starts gobbling at us. A totally different one starts gobbling at us, gobbling at us. Well, I'm so focused on her. You go, hey, man, you're a little aggressive for him. And I was like, oh, man, I wasn't even thinking about that one. He's like, yeah, that bird's gobbling. Maybe we should just focus on him. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. But we had not been to the area where this bird was gobbling, so we didn't know how to get there from where we were at. We didn't know what it looked like up there. So some question marks. So we decided um, we decided we were going to try to get up and sneak out of there, not spook the one that was strutting in front of us, and go make a move on this one that is gobbling. So as we start to go up the road, I realize there are a few cedar trees that are dead and have been pushed over between us and the one that's strutting. My mind is just going back and forth like, also, we only have like an hour left. It's yeah, noon. We, yeah. Time is going to run out. We don't have all day because of the, the laws in Missouri that you have to be done by one. How do I how do I harvest one of these birds? Like, what's my best chance? This one's right here. I can see it. It's strutting. It's so occupied with this hen. Maybe, just maybe, I can get it to cross this fence. So I crawl on my hands and knees and then my belly and this muddy road out to the end of where the cedar is laid down. And I stick my decoy in the mud where there was an open alleyway where this bird could see. And then I'm like, well, heck, I can crawl up to the end of this and look out. So I'm laying on my belly in the mud, and I look out past the end of the cedar over where this bird is, and it is wide open. There's nothing in my way. He is like, if he flapped his wing, he would touch the fence. Like yeah, he, is, yeah. he is almost rubbing the fence. I don't know where the hen is, and I'm like... One yard at this point. If mm-hmm. he ducked under the fence one yard, I, I I can shoot this turkey. I could have shot him exactly where he was. And this is what I want to talk about that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I have been with people that don't follow this. In their mind, if they call it up to the fence, they've called it in. Sometimes turkeys can be the dumbest animals in the world. They will get to a fence, a, a four-strand barbed wire fence, and they will run up and down it like it's a... 30-foot high brick wall. This was a three-strand. This was a three-strand <laughs> and a not good condition one at that. Yeah, like, yeah. He could have just walked right through it, but he didn't. He wasn't going to because that hen, they won't always cross a fence. It's difficult to get them to cross a fence. It is so tempting to shoot them, but mm-hmm. it is not the right thing to do. That is not your property. Now, if you know that property owner and you've asked them and they say, yeah, whatever, go ahead and shoot if they're on my side. Totally different story, but if you don't know them and you have not asked for permission, it is not okay. I understand all you have to do is shoot it, and you don't even have to cross the fence. You can reach your hand under and grab their feet and drag them back under. It's not okay. That's that's not the property you're allowed to be hunting on. Um, okay, people will be like, oh, what's it matter? It ain't hurt nothing. One, one yard doesn't matter. It's the principle and the ethics of the thing, and hunters need to have a rep and reputation of being honest and and being caring. And if we want to keep the privileges that we have and not have them taken away, then we should have the reputation of being respectable people. Should I agree. And I'm glad you didn't take the shot, which that's why I go with you. I mean, if, if you were putting me in, in some of those positions of like, should we, should we not? Matter of fact, we actually probably go, if you can go too far. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like we go too far the other way of like, because there were, well, to be honest with you, one of the three birds, actually two of the three birds, I could have stopped, I could have stood up and shot at one and you could have shot the other. And we may, may have been able to kill them. Yes. But I we could, didn't. I could have shot at and had a chance to kill 
every bird that we saw. Yeah. But, but I want to be sure before I pull the trigger that when I pull the trigger, it's the end of the, it's, it's over. One birds, shot, it drops, it's yes. done. Yeah. Ethical, clean, moral. And so because we were going to pride ourselves on that, we did not harvest up to this point. Yeah. And that, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I've taken plenty of shots in my day at, at deer, turkey, other animals that I shouldn't have taken. So really for me, it's just, I've been hunting for 20 plus years. It's just experiences I don't want to experience again. And now that I am a father and I have sons, this is how I would want them to behave. And if I can't do that myself, then I won't be able to set that expectation for them. So it is time as an, as an adult to have that maturity and that discretion. So yeah, I don't, I don't shoot. Will there be a time I shoot again? I'm probably like, man, I should have waited. Yeah, that probably will happen. Come, but, yeah. Um, try to have the discretion when you can. So snuck up on this bird. It's 50 yards. It's on the wrong side of the fence. You're actually ranging it. Mm-hmm. And you were five to 10 yards behind me and you're going, it's 54, it's, yep, 54. it's 54. And so I'm <laughs> no doubt I, with, with my gun and ammo, it, it wouldn't have been tough at all. Yep. It wouldn't have been tough. But we decided to go after this one that was goblin. So we go all the way up to the top of the hill. While doing that, we spook the one that we'd been watching, strutting, wouldn't come across the fence. We spook it. And as we spook it, where's it run? <laughs> the same place we, we're going. Right where we're thinking going. I mean, right where we're going. Get to the top of the hill. You mentioned earlier the way the hills kind of roll on top of the hill, and when they dip down, you can't really see. So we made a plan to sit by the highest point, this giant oak tree, going to set the decoy out, sit by this tree. Well, as we get to the tree, we were kind of distracted because there was a groundhog, and he lived under the tree. And so we were like, well, do we sit here? Because he was yeah he was, he was right almost there. like he was right there like I'm gonna defend this mm-hmm. yep. and so we were kind of distracted but as I look out into one of these dips I see a Tom strutting he's you know, out there. I didn't see it this time yeah I'm dropping down because I I don't know how close I don't know what's happening here. again I'm like get down get down <laughs> get, get down, down get so down. I'm dropping down again um let's see from there you're kind of like we got to get down we got to kind of get back to where we were at like and the reason was because of those dips and those rolls mm-hmm. it was going to keep us hidden um but yet possibly we could figure out if we we're going to need to sneak or not what was the plan again analyzing when you're hunting and you're amped up things are going quick yeah. analyzing how much time we had left at that point we right. had 30 minutes left right. of legal shooting time he's strutting he had been gobbling i didn't see a hen I saw what this other strutter that was with a hen, how unresponsive he was. In 30 minutes, I'm probably not going to be able to call him all the way across this field. The field has a big roll to it. There is a game trail behind us that is completely removed of sticks and leaves, and you can operate on it pretty quietly right on the edge of the, the forest. And so I said, I'm going to take all my gear off, just me and my shot. I'm taking my pack off, taking my binoculars off. I'm going to try to what I call coyote. I'm not going to call this thing. I'm going to sneak up. I'm going to belly crawl to him and I'm going to shoot him. And I did that and I actually got within 20 yards, 20 yards of this thing. That's crazy. I mean, and 20 yards is close. That is really close. That is a normal, easy, like should be a smooth, easy kill, honestly. But it caught me off guard because I was looking at a big tree in the middle of the field where I had last seen him strutting. And in my mind, I was like, he's strutting around that tree, but he had actually made a big circle and he had come up and closed the gap like 30 yards to me. In my mind, I'm still like 50, 60 yards. And all of a sudden I see his fan go across the hill, but because I'm on my stomach, 
trying to move and crawl, I'm actually laying on my gun. There's nothing I can do. I couldn't pop up and shoot him. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, he's strutting and circling around. When he struts all the way back out to that tree, I will move up another 10 yards to the crest of that hill. And when he comes back, <laughs> it's done. Well, that's, it's done. That's I can't cool believe part. I'm on my fifth bird. Right. I can't believe that's it. That's the cool part about strutting. When they are in strut, you know, as they spin on you, you know, their their fan or their tail is all fanned out. And when they're kind of showing you their hind end, <laughs> I mean, when they show you their hind end, that is your opportunity to make a move, whether it be to stand up, to scratch your nose, to right. get your gun ready, to whatever it is, whatever movement you need to make, it is when that, that turkey's rear end is facing you because it's getting ready to come back around. And when you want to take your shot, it's going to be at the head as it's facing you. And yeah. so you're trying to get in position in those moments. Um, and you also have to be mindful. Are there any other turkeys around this this one? Are there hens out feeding? That was my biggest fear in this situation. Right. Are there more toms the that you don't see that's that's hanging out there? Like Because the more eyes that you have, the harder it is. And, and they pick up on any movement and any Well, they're sound. constantly looking for coyotes, bobcats. They're so paranoid. Constantly just eyes. And that's what's so fun about turkey hunting too is that they have amazing vision but their smell is not that great. It's not something that you're going to be treating your clothes and worried about, like, am I downwind? Can they smell us? You know, when you get into deer hunting, that's your focus is smell, 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 a little bit of sight. With turkeys, it's sight, 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 and I don't even know if you even have to worry about smell. No. So the only (laughs) – matter of fact, the only thing you have to worry about is ticks at this point, you know, because you're Brian's face down in knee-high weeds, grasses, Crawling through stalking. And so you come up. What happens? Where are you at? Well, I, I finally get to where I think when he circles back around, I can make a shot. And as I start to see him strutting back around, I'm like, he's going to make this same circle again. All of a sudden, he comes out of strut. And he's walking. He's walking toward me, but I could tell he's alert. He's got his head up. His head's just white now. Doesn't have all the colors going on. He's still coming to me, but almost in a curious like. Did I just see something in the grass up there? Right. And he comes, I'm going to say 50 yards, maybe a little further. But again, I'm laying down. There are, there are saplings. There's, I just don't, I don't have a shot. I call to him real soft. Mm-hmm. He pops back and strut one time and then right back out. And he turns, not spook, but aware. And he turns and he walks in the opposite direction of me. And he stops, and he turns back around, and he looks like, what did I see? I call to him real soft, and he pops up struts again. <laughs> and then he goes back out of strut, and he turns, and he walks away from me real slow. Then he stops, then he turns back around like, what did I just see? And he did that five or six times until he went over the crest of the hill. So while that's all happening, I'm actually kind of tucked back, and I was trying to to get a video of it. Now, mm-hmm. I could never see this. I could never see the turkey. Um, I could see you a little bit. It's only turkey I could see was you. Um, now, from my side, there was a couple times I saw your feet go up. Yeah. So I, I could kind of keep track of you. But after that, you got to a certain point where I couldn't even see you. I couldn't see the turkey. So I didn't know what was taking place. But at this time, my grandmother actually texts me. And I'm looking at my phone, and she's like, two big toms behind the house. And so, <laughs> which I was like, oh my gosh, like. Do I have enough time to get yeah, there? Do yeah, do we have time? Is it? And I'm realizing like, no, the the countdown's on. And yeah. by this time, I pretty much see you get up, 
you get up, you're yeah. coming back towards me. I, I figured it was over. I didn't even know what happened to the bird. And, and um, at that point, it was just a a kind of weird mix of emotions because it was like, what a day. What a what an awesome, blessed day. We were giving thanks to the Lord to experience the five encounters with five mature birds right. within... Right. Uh, I mean, it's not a huge property. No. Nope. We're talking maybe 100 acres, and we're experiencing all this. And one day, we had action all day long. The time absolutely flew by. Let me say this, though. I don't want to um, not minimize, but this property that we're on is beautiful. Oh, it my is, goodness. If if I could have 100 acres, I would love. This This would be primo for me. Like You and I are talking about that the whole time we're out there. Like, this place is awesome. It is so awesome. And, and that's why you don't have to have thousands and thousands of acres. If you have even a little bit of land that, that is connected to more land where, where it allows the opportunity for habitat for these animals, then you're good. Mm-hmm. You can maybe call them to you like, like Brian was able to do. But, again, this land that we're on is so beautiful and the gentleman that let us let us come out onto it, I'm so thankful. That's what I was thankful for earlier. Um, no stake in the game, just just allowing us to come out and enjoy that property, and we did it. Yeah, we even said, "Come on, come with us, man. Yeah, we'll get you yeah. get first shot." And right. he, oh, no, you guys go, you know, and and that that is awesome. And we shared with them, "Hey, man, one of the best days of turkey hunting we've ever had." And maybe that's a message to to take from this podcast of. It, it doesn't always have to end in the kill. Do we wish it did? Well, yeah, we wish we'd have, we wish we'd have shot two at, at 8.30 and been <laughs> yeah. up at Sands Cafe eating bacon and eggs, <laughs> yeah, but it didn't happen that way. Yeah. And and God had in order for us a, a bunch more encounters. And from every encounter, you learn. Right. Um, you gain appreciation. These birds, when they're strutting. It's beautiful, man. So beautiful. Like I totally, when they're strutting, when they're not, it's like two different animals. It is. It's not, not even the same creature. Yep. So just getting to encounter all those was just, it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it was really, well, the weather really was, a special day. The weather was awesome. And why I say that, it was kind of cloudy. You had, I could wear a sweatshirt. And why I'm thankful for that is because there have been years where I am sweating head to toe in long sleeve camo, and I'm like, I didn't want out of this. Right. It was so hot. It, you know, you're going up and down these hills here in the Ozarks. When the weather's hot, it isn't very fun. This was a, a cool morning, cool breeze. It allowed us to to really hike and not mm-hmm. just get over hot. Um, man, it was just beautiful. We saw multiple deer. Um, I'm going to say at least seven that we could see that day. Um, one, two, three, four. Yeah, it, they were feeding, eating, watching them come through. It was a beautiful day. It was awesome. It was. Um, I took a little hit to my my turkey hunting pride. I would like to think that of of five encounters that I'd get it done at least one time. Yeah. But I still wasn't like, I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset like you would think I would be. Uh, well, I, just, that's what I want to actually talk about right now is why do you hunt? You know, why are you the listener? Do you go out and hunt? Are you going to hunt? Why do you do it? You know, Brian and I, why do we do it? Well, growing up, I did it. I turkey hunted and I deer hunted because my family would praise me when I would harvest. So as I got to an age where they don't care if I harvest or not anymore, um, they don't even care if I hunt anymore technically. But like when I realized that I'm hunting for one of two reasons, either for meat or for the experience, I'm always going to eat the meat and that's why I'm always going to go out. Number one is to have fresh meat 
in my freezer or on my table. And it is so Because it is good. so good. It is so much better than anything store-bought. You know, one example of a difference. You go out and you – Brian has chickens. When you have a an egg from your backyard, you come in and crack, it is a golden yellow. Yeah. Okay? When you get an egg from the store, what color is it? Like pale. Yeah. <laughs> pale, cool, and clammy. Yeah. Like it ain't good. It's the same way with this meat, like from venison to, to wild turkey breast. Yeah. Huh. Just wild game in general, even it is squirrel, rabbit. I mean, anything. And wild so that's, game is that is the reason why I do it. It isn't to to have my family give me this add a boy pat on the back anymore because I don't get that, right? <laughs> you know. So if you're only hunting to get an add a boy, then you may be defeated, yeah. completely defeated when you're not when you don't harvest. For us, because we live in a day that we can go to the store. Thankfully, I can go to the store and I can get whatever food I want whenever I want it. Then this isn't just a huge. I can't provide for my family today. Mm-hmm. If we ever get to a, a day when you are going to have to go out and hunt. You better be a better hunter than we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question would be, are you still going to be ethical? Because, no, I, no, I would have shot the one. I mean, right. you, you may have yeah. shot on someone's property because you needed to feed your family. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Those would be the decisions you have to make. Um, but times will be different at that point. So for me, I'm going out to harvest for the food. Yes, we struck out. Yes, but at the end of the day, we still have a whole nother week. We are going to keep going. I can't wait to report what happens next. I need my knees to recover. <laughs> yeah. Crawling you need to take around a little more rocks, hiking up and down hills. I'm like, yeah. daggummit. I, I go as hard as I used to, but the body just doesn't respond like it like it used to. But, yeah, it really one of the better days, if not one of the best days of, of turkey hunting that I've ever experienced. A lot oh, of fun sharing it with you. Found one Morel mushroom. One. Just one. <laughs> I kept by it, by itself. the way. That was my harvest. Yeah. Uh, it was a fresh one. That's too. right. It was a fresh one. But uh, we'll, we'll be back at it. I want you guys to, if you are a hunter, to, to have that thought of, uh, you know what? Why am, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to impress? Am I doing this for accolades? Or am I doing this to enjoy creation? Um and that is that is why we do it to enjoy it. And there's more to enjoy than just what you're hunting. From from the wildflowers that are out to the other wildlife that you encounter, from from groundhogs to the birds that you're singing to, uh, man, we just we saw some wildflowers that we'd never seen before mm-hmm. that were so beautiful. Um, there's there's a lot out there to take in and enjoy. Um, you know, I love creation. I love being outdoors. And part of the reason, one of the biggest reasons that we do this podcast, that we do meant to be outdoors. Uh, our business in general, why we educate, why we have our schools and our programs is because you asked me the other day, what, when I'm teaching, what do I want people to get? And my answer to that is I want people to love the outdoors as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I want them to have the appreciation for it that I have because I just love it so stinking much. Then this weekend, uh, my pastor at church had a, a really good thought. Um, he was talking about us being heirs of the kingdom and literally reigning with God. And I mean, that, that's a promise that we have, that we are his heirs. We are his children. We're heirs to, to his glory. He was talking about creation and how we will truly, when we're with God, we will truly, for the first time, be able to fully appreciate creation. And it took me off guard because in my mind, I, man, I do. I do fully appreciate it. But he made the point of even now, there's distraction. There's mm-hmm. the thoughts of, well, what should I really be doing instead of being out here right now? Should I be 
should I be grocery shopping? Should I be doing work on the house at home? Should I be at work? Like, what should you be doing? You've got your phone with you. Yeah. You've got the the hunger pains. You have all these thoughts and distractions that truly take away from the full grasp and the full beauty and full amazement of creation. I look forward to that day when I just get to fully appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, there'll be a day when you're like, you know what? Yeah, that's a tick crawling on my leg, but it don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Because when you're out there, you don't know if that's a tick crawling up your leg or just an itchy hair. Like, no, it's crazy. Is, he's going to take care of ticks. Absolutely. They're going to be gone. Absolutely. We hope that you are out, maybe doing some turkey hunting, enjoying the outdoors this spring. My last tip for this episode, because you mentioned ticks, use permethrin on your clothes. Mm, use it on do. your boots. Use it on your clothes. Please. I did all of that crawling around for an mm-hmm. entire day. In the timber and the leaves, in the mud, in the grasses, literally laying, breathing with the ticks. I could see them. I had one tick on me and it was just crawling on my stomach. It hadn't even bit. I had one, yep. one tick, and that stuff works. Permethrin really, really works. Um, keep it on your clothes. Make sure your clothes are treated before you go out. There, I hear more and more and more people suffering from tick-borne diseases yes um, it's, and it's happening guys seems like there's new ones that pop up every year Take so care if you're your, gonna spend time you outdoors your protect yourselves yeah your whole family protect yourselves but that is it for this episode of the meant to be outdoors podcast great ways to follow along with us facebook instagram tiktok we also have a podcast q a q a a group page on facebook it's called the meant to be outdoors podcast q a follow know, along on there if you have questions while listening to this podcast Get on our Facebook Q&A and ask us. We would love to answer, or maybe we don't know the answer to it, and you following along do. Please yes. share. Please answer. We'd love some feedback, love some engagement. Love, Yeah, we love feedback. We love reviews on whatever platform you listen in. Download, so you're downloading every episode. Share. We want this podcast to grow. Share, 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 share. People reach out to us and ask us what fishing poles to buy, what bows to get for their kid, what chairs they want to go camping in. We love answering those questions. We do our best to to keep up with those and answer those questions as diligently as possible. We want to help you. We want to be your outdoor resource. Again, that is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We will be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. Between now and that time, we hope that you spend time outdoors and remember that you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, Follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.